It's show 117 of the RIM Pro Report this week. Stefan Chorus of Streff in Luxembourg and the latest industry news. The show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. Do you know that O'Neill is an expert at generating and printing barcode labels? In fact, this year they've printed almost 15 million of them for their strategic partners. Generating and printing barcode labels as a RIM company, from my experience, is a nuisance. Maintaining printers, labor costs, ordering and managing the stuff that comes with it, dealing with the software and keeping track of serial number sequences is time-consuming and a costly distraction for you. Cool thing about it is O'Neill does it all for you. It's really done well and cost-effectively. So if you're interested in that, you can learn more about it at O'NeillSoft.com. You know we're headed to Luxembourg today. Care to join me? Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, it's me, and we're back for another show. Winter is trying to take hold as the festive season rapidly approaches. We've got a Christmas tree up in the office now, so I guess that means it's officially here. And you know, as much as I love San Diego and I love one of the most beautiful climates in the world, I have to admit the Christmas season just isn't quite the same without snow, though driving here is much simpler without the uh, the wet stuff. So I've got that going for me. I hope you are ready yourself to enjoy this time of the year. Today, I'm looking forward to a conversation with Stefan Koris, the managing director of Streff in Luxembourg. I met Stefan at Brussels, actually, last month at the European Information Management Conference, and I wanted to have him on the program. Streff is doing some really cool stuff, and I thought it would be great to chat with him further. So we're going to give him a ring right after we catch up on the latest industry news. So it's now official. Richard Reese is retiring. Richard became CEO in 1981 of Iron Mountain and served in that role till 2008. He then returned to the role in 2011. During his tenure, Richard led the growth of Iron Mountain from a $3 million a year business to more than a $3 billion a year industry. Pretty cool stuff. Richard is a rock star and legend in the rim world. And what a legacy he has left in terms of his imprint, not only in the world, but on uh, our industry in a significant way. He will definitely be missed in his leadership role. In an announcement earlier this week, Iron Mountain announced that William Meany will assume the role of CEO, president, and member of the board of directors, effective January 7th, 2013. Meany most recently spent eight years as the CEO of the $12 billion a year Hong Kong-based Zulig Group, a business-to-business conglomerate. Congratulations to Richard on his retirement and to William on this new gig with Iron Mountain. 
Now, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Ray Berry took a new role with Access Information Management. This week, Nate announced the acquisition of the Shred School brand name, which was built by Ray and his company Total Training Services. Looks like Nate is going to retool the Shred School list of services and events and reintroduce the program in February of 2013. Speaking of Nate, it is now accepting accepting nominations for NADE board of directors positions with terms expiring in March of 2013, including one director seat, the treasurer, and a president-elect. Additionally, the association will be seeking nominations for candidates for the director seat dedicated to the maximum dues-paying members, as well as for the director seats representing the Canadian, European, and Australia-New Zealand regions. So that needs to be done relatively soon uh, in terms of nominations. PRISM just completed its fundamentals workshop at the Arizona Biltmore in Phoenix yesterday. I got an email from Dave Bergeson, the executive director of PRISM, who let me know that they had approximately 50 people in attendance. The workshop consisted of fundamentals, as well as some time spent on trends and innovations in the industry, as well as a whole bunch of other good stuff. Funny thing is, it's not often just the industry rookies that show up at these events. It's the seasoned veterans as well looking for one idea or a perspective that will help drive more success in their business. So good to hear that uh, good things happening in Phoenix for PRISM uh, this week. That's all the news on my radar right now. If you have any news you want to share with me, let me know so I can share it here on the show. All right, I'm going to get Stefan Chorus on the line. Hold tight while I do. I am pleased to welcome Stefan Chorus, the Managing Director of STREF in Luxembourg. Stefan, are you there? I am here. Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. It's so good to have you on. Thank you for taking the time to tell us your story. So let's start with an overview first of all of the services that STREF actually provides. Well, that's, uh, well, first of all, I have to thank you for allowing me to be on the show. Oh. And it's a pleasure for a small company in a small country in Europe to be on the big screen here. <laughs> Okay. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here, Stefan. <laughs> okay. So, Streff, uh, in a few words, uh, we provide uh, originally uh, moving services, yeah. uh, furniture storage services, and from that we grew into, slowly we grew into archiving and then into destruction. Now we do also scanning, and obviously we provide all kinds of uh, site services, transportation, packing materials for all kinds of things. And um, well, yeah, now <clears throat> we are a company of roughly uh, 100 people uh, and operate warehouses of a volume of about 150,000 cubic meters, which would translate in 1.5 million cubic foot. Well, that might be easier for some people to yeah. sort of imagine. Wow. Right. We do have three, uh, two locations here in Luxembourg, which one is the headquarters where we operate the moving business. And the one side where I'm at now at the moment is the Data Protection Services site. And uh, here we do all the archiving and destruction work. We have another warehouse in Belgium just across the border, which where we handle a house of good storage and uh, general storage, as well as some archiving storage for 
for companies that don't need the speciality of Luxembourg, which is the banking secrecy-related um, services we provide here. Okay. So you are approximately 100 staff, so you've, you've got a fairly significant operation going. That's right. Yeah. In our business, it's usual that uh, uh, we are very service-orientated, so we have many people in the administration, in the service departments, to handle the day-to-day business, meaning especially in the moving business, every, every day, every job is a new job, so we have like uh, seven uh, consultants out every day for moving purposes, and we have three now for the archive and destruction services, so that makes already 10 out of the 100 just for running around free of charge for our customers. Right, <laughs> right, right, to do all the things that need to be done. Yeah, and then they have the backup stuff. Yeah, well, let, let's focus specifically on the records and information and data side because that's kind of where our, our show's all about. And and I appreciate because so many companies in our industry have grown out of the moving industry. But, but begin to tell me how you, as a moving company, uh, found the records storage business or the file storage business. And tell me a little bit about the evolution and history of the information management side of your business. Right. <clears throat> well, it's sort of an organic growth, uh, if you call it that way. The moving business was, of course, there uh, since 1885 in our family business of four generations now. So in the early 80s of last century, so 1980s, Roughly, yeah. <clears throat> customers that started storing uh, office furniture with us started also giving us boxes with old files and so on, but that was not very organized. And so over time, that grew, and then we said, okay, well, we need to do a little bit more professional here. And we started offering uh, the, the inventories for the archives, and then people thought that was a good idea, and they started bringing more stuff. and. So we started growing on the archiving side. So let, permit me to ask a question here. But how did you know that that was going to be a real business? Did somewhere along the line you go, oh, there's an industry around this? Or was it something you just sort of grew naturally on your own? Well, we did grow into this because uh, of our customers asking us for yeah. it. We did not, and we didn't, for a very long time, we did not even have to say it's personal uh, to actually go about this kind of business. Well, Luxembourg is a small place, and uh, so the and we have a very good notoriety in the in, uh, thing that's the word you'd say uh, for being present in the market with our brand name Streff. Right. Um, people trust us in the moving, so they trust us with their furniture, they trust us with their archives, and that is how things went on. Well, and then we grew, and we added warehouses, and we added stuff, and then uh, in 1996. We installed our first uh, shredder. Oh, okay. Which, uh, because we had uh, customers that needed to destroy their things, and they called other companies that came to our warehouse and destroyed an our electricity <laughs> to benefit right. their customers. And I said, what they can do, we can do ourselves. So we just started with the shredding. Got it. Since that time, that is now, what, 96? Till today, we have grown into the third and soon fourth generation of fretting equipment and uh, growing all the time. Wow. And so the addition of scanning obviously has been a more recent inclusion in the business? Yes, that came only into play roughly three years ago. That was a demand from some of our customers uh, with very little volume 
at the moment we have four people working permanently on a specific job. Hmm. So we have five scanning machines at the moment running for serving that very big customer who has a very big job to be done. And then next to that, we do some little customers as well. All right. So along the way, were you aware that there was a bigger industry out there of companies doing this? When did you sort of connect dots to the fact that there were people out there who were actively doing the same kind of thing? And did you build your own software? What was sort of the movement from being a, a mover who did records uh, on the side to being a professional firm that had the appropriate software and, and all the appropriate billing structures to support this kind of business. Was that an easy transition for you? Well, it's again, it's been a slow movement. As I said, we did not have specific personnel to hunt archiving or destruction customers. Yeah. But we attracted them just by the fact that we were there. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, sooner or later, People called us, and now, well, since we have a big volume now, we have uh, started separating the actual moving business from the record and, and destruction business uh, just at the beginning of the year. Wow. So uh, we run one and the other on, a, on different management, basically. Oh, okay. Okay. So different people are involved in the different companies. Yeah. Well, you mentioned it just a few minutes ago, but I'm aware from our conversations previous to this, uh, I met you in at the conference in Brussels, but you are connected in an interesting way, and I think it's it's different than I've heard from it, a lot of other people, to the uh, Luxembourg Finance Ministry. So through the government, you, you've got a unique relationship to them. Can you tell me more about that connection and how that came to be a reality and what that means? Well, what it means is that in uh, in Luxembourg, uh, well, Luxembourg is known in the financial industry for being one of the few countries that still have a banking secrecy law. And uh, some days, well, in the early 2000s, the government found out that it is really not enough to control the banks themselves, but all the service providers that do work for them and actually get contact to the data. Hmm. Uh, physically data or working on, on their computers and uh, servicing their systems and so on and so forth. So they made a law that demands companies that are involved with banking documents and banking data that they are submitted to that banking secrecy law as it, by we as the last mile, as you, uh, if you wish, yeah. for storing and destruction. So after us, there's nothing to be worried about. But uh, while it's with us and on the way to us, there is still possibility of leaking things. And so we are under supervision of the finance ministry that has a body that actually controls the, the banks and all the companies that are involved in getting access somehow or could get access to the data that the banks produce. But not only the banks, also insurance companies and some other institutions that are linked to the banking secrecy law here in Luxembourg. So is that a process you have to go through? Do you have to jump through hoops? Is there compliance issues? Are, are you mandated with a, a special set of regulations that then affect how you perform? Can anyone get that? Or is it required within specific industries? Do your competitors have that kind of thing? G give me a sense of, of what that truly means to the business. Well, what it means to the business, first of all, it's uh, well, for someone who is already in the business, it becomes sort of obligatory. Okay. Otherwise, you lose your customers. Right. Because banks cannot stay with a company that has not the certificate. Okay. 
uh, the, or the agreement by the state. Now, that costs money. Actually, we have to pay like 10,000 euros a year. The 1st of January, basically, we have to pay for the year uh, to, the, to the administration. And then there's a lot of compliance after that, meaning internal, external audits, monthly balance sheet reporting, and all kinds of things wow. we would normally not want to do. But uh, here we are forced to do it. Wow. And that obviously puts a bit of a strain to the company. And that's also one of the reasons why we actually split the moving company from the, from the data pro, uh, protection uh, right. service, because... Otherwise, all our moving customers fall under the same law, and then we would also have to audit them. And that obviously, with a lot of private customers, you can't do. And so we sort of split that off. Wow. Wow. So it sounds like it's a a lot of work to keep that in place. Well, it is. We have a lot of uh, red tape, as you wish. Yeah. The other thing is when in 2005 we, we entered into the system, we had to increase our capital to like something like 370,000 euros in order to be sufficiently funded uh, for the administration to accept us in that kind of a, a business. Wow. So that was, that was one obstacle at the time. Well, today they have lowered this again to like 50,000. So the, the access point is much lower now for newcomers. And there are, of course, a few companies in, in our trade that do also have a certificate because they had the same problem. If they wouldn't comply, right. they would have to lose all the customers they had already. Yeah. So, but there's only uh, well less than a handful of people that operate in the, in the archiving and another handful that they're not always the same that do also the shredding. Yeah. So it's a, it's a little bit of a split between the different companies. Very interesting, very interesting. I also learned a little bit about the fact that you are highly focused on environmental issues, and I'm not sure if that's a personal belief in the company or is that a issue within the country, but tell me a little bit about your green focus and the economics of that and maybe why you do that particular focus in your business. Well, the well, environment is something that concerns us all, and myself having five children and being part of the fourth generation, the business anticipating that the fifth generation might continue, uh, we can only continue working and living if we have an environment that is working. Right. So that is a, a basic thing. I suppose everybody would agree to that. The question is whether you do something yourself or you wait for other people to jump in. Right. Now, I have decided to jump in myself. And uh, on our site here, where we do the archiving and the destruction, all the energies we use are green energies. That means they come from renewable sources. We have our own photovoltaic solar panel and solar heating panel for warm water. Hmm. We do geothermal, uh, how do you call it? Geothermal. Uh, geothermal geothermal, uh, things. We use wood chip heating for the warehouses and offices. Uh, We use rainwater uh, for toilet flushing and, and uh, gardening and uh, washing trucks and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, we do what we can to support. And then, of course, we do a lot of recycling. Everything, of course, that goes out of the company as a trash is being sorted towards the uh, recycling ch- channels that are available. All the paper shredded, all the cardboard, all the, the wood that we don't burn ourselves after shredding, all that goes into recycling channels. You said this is something of a personal passion for you. There's a significant investment in making yourself green, is there not? 
It is, but you, well, lucky we were able <laughs> to, to finance a lot of these things ourselves. But it's, we are, uh, I said that before, we are a family company. Yeah. And our aim is not the, the quarterly report. Our aim is the next generation. Right. What we can do today to help them to be in a position that is respected by also our customer base. Because, of course, there's a lot of initiatives uh, around us. Actually, the, we have an association here where we are that is uh, Ecopark Windhof. We are involved in European projects for cradle-to-cradle and smart grid projects that we want to be involved in, not because it brings us money, but it it brings us experience and it brings our society as a whole ideas and, 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 and ways to operate more on the long-term long right. Term, uh, right. idea. Right. So so there there is a definite belief that the future is very important in the business. So the intent doesn't sound to me like you're just trying to, to pull all the money out at this point or give it all to shareholders. It's it's really about building a lasting legacy in this business. Well, the thing is that me and my brother, we are the shareholders yep. and we are both very much uh, looking at a, a long term perspective and yep. not on the short term money making uh, of course, we need to make money yeah. in order to support this, but uh, we we don't need to, the money to to spend it on fancy things. We, we'd rather spend it on sustainable business. Right. Very cool. So building a business like this over the years obviously comes with a lot of interesting lessons. So if you could look back on your, your years of growing the records and information and data side of the business, what are some of the lessons you've learned in growing this? What are, what are some of the, I, I guess, the, the major ahas or learnings that have come along the way that you would say are critical and important in the success of your business? Yeah, well, the one thing is probably that well, we did not push it. <laughs> we we sort of let it grow through our organic growth. We did not uh, invest immediately into a uh, sales force or into marketing tools that would actually tell our customer base that we also do archiving and we also do shredding. We sort of still are lot in the shade of the moving operation we have, which is so well known here in Luxembourg. So when people, when we tell people sometimes, oh, we do this, oh, I didn't know. But of course, we do it already for 20 years or right. <laughs> more. Right. So, uh, so that is now uh, an issue that we are tackling, and that's why I just uh, employed two more people in this marketing and the sales team here to push our image in the market towards the the awareness of our services being available also on apart from the moving business. Right, right. So that would be one thing I should have. Well, I could say I. it would have been good if we would have started that earlier. But anyway, so far it, we had a slow growth, but we did have growth all the time. Now we're going to push it a little bit harder because we're a separate company now. We do have to make our living now more also apart from the moving business. Right, okay. Well, very cool. That's a big step then to separate those two even financially and economically. Yes. Yeah. While we're still running, this, while we're still the same two brothers running the two companies, yeah. Yeah. and if, if need be, we would be probably able to help the one or the other whichever way it would, need, would right. be needed. Understood. But it is, of course, all kinds of questions that come up 
do we keep the same brand? Do we do this? Do we do that? Yeah, but well, it's uh, we'll see what the future brings. Yeah, very cool. So if you look back, and you might have called that a mistake, is to not have pushed the business as hard in the beginning, and and you let it kind of grow organically. Has there been any other sort of places along the way where you went we figured something out like this was a this was a turning point in the business this was a defining moment in terms of the growth of the business are, are there any of those in the history of the business that you feel were critical to your success well uh, we're not uh, just like anybody else uh, in the way that we offer our services especially here the I mean, shredding for shredding, you need shredders. I mean, everybody can buy one. It's not it's not that that much of a problem. But uh, for the archiving, we actually operate container storage warehouse where we have individual 20-foot containers for for each customer's needs, uh, either equipped with shelving inside or without. That works very well. And then we do uh, pellets, pelletized storage for archiving. And that means uh, we don't have a catwalk or we don't have a, a picker that goes up uh, and to pick up the box. We take down the pallet with the box and we work on the floor uh, to, to, to pick the boxes from the pallet. So it's much easier, no, uh, lot, uh, less strainful for the people. So you don't have what would be considered a traditional box storage racking system. It's all pallet or it's these individual containers. Absolutely. Really? And yes. Does the economics on that work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked the question because it's, it, yeah, I mean, uh, the tendency is to believe that you pack as many boxes into a small amount of space as possible uh, and you get as high a density as humanly possible. It seems to me that if you're on pallets, your density goes down, doesn't it? That might be, but with a pallet, I can store archiving, I can store anything else. Right, right. And so I can fill my racks before I fill it with, with archives. I can fill it with goods. Right. And can be more flexible uh, with that. And just to, well, two years ago, we invested into a uh, movable shelving system. That means we only have one, one, one aisle, one corridor, right. one aisle. And, we, uh, and, all, and with that, we doubled our capacity in the same warehouse. Wow. Just by investing that. And that gives a really good density. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's different then, because that that single aisle makes a significant amount of density in your building. You you've only got one aisle of of open in in that whole thing. That's cool. Absolutely. And because archiving is not a distribution service, uh, where we have to get have to get access to each pallet at any time, so uh, it's a small low process. That means it's no, not a problem to open up the aisle and it takes a half a minute to wait for getting into the aisle you want to go to. Right, right. So that's pretty good. It oh, works cool. very well. That's great. So if you were to look back and say there was a secret to the success that you've had at Streff over the years, is there one major secret that is the key to your success? What might it be? If it was a secret, I wouldn't know it, but I think... <laughs> well, if, if you had the secret and you were but, sharing it with me. <laughs> yes. Well, I think what, what it all comes down to uh, in all the, the businesses we do is that we need uh, to justify the trust the customers need to have in us in order to be able to work with us. 
Now, this is this is true for the moving business where, where people give us all their belongings without having even a receipt for it. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, going through archiving and destruction that people are convinced, and we give them good reason to be convinced that we do, could do a good job and we don't lose their material, we don't lose information or divulge uh, information uh, to someone. Right. So that is, I think the reputation of a company is the key in the market, as, at, well, at least here in Luxembourg. Hmm. Uh, that might be different in a, in a huge market where you couldn't care less about your last customer because there are so many. Right. <laughs> Potential. Well, Luxembourg is only 500,000 people in the country. And so the opportunity to mess up is very big because, yeah. as you know, uh, an unhappy customer will cost you like 10 to 20 uh, new ones where a good, happy customer brings you only two. Right. In that uh, area where we are very strong with reputation in the country and that helps uh, a lot. Wow. Well, that's such an important lesson, I think, for anyone to learn. Is uh, It's something that I'm teaching frequently and, uh, as the economy uh, moves and evolves and as marketing and advertising has grown so much. Trust, to me, is the critical factor now that our kinds of businesses have to you know, seek to employ and that reputation factor. And I, I think it's fabulous that you talked about it because it, to me, is, is without question the most important marketing element that you can build in your business. Yeah, and then, of course, what comes after, you have to have the capacity before you advertise. <laughs> right. You've got to be able to do it. Yes, willing and able. Right. The, the willing it doesn't help, and the able alone doesn't help either if you're not willing to really provide the service people expect. Yeah. So if you could go back to the start of when you started the records and information management part of the business, uh, the file storage business, what advice would you give yourself knowing all you know today? Yeah, uh, maybe be a little bit more aggressive and mm. and uh, more stubborn when trying to convince a customer that he really needs us. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, this is, um, it's very difficult to say because the market is in Luxembourg what it is and the as I can only stretch it again, the reputation of the company is already very, very, very good. Yeah, we have well, we uh, we involved in all kinds of associations and and charity and here and so we we very, very well known. And yeah, to push the customers or to 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 get to know the customer, what we do exactly in detail, that is uh, something I what we should have really started doing more uh, straight from the beginning. Yeah. But, but now we do, uh, now we are on that next step and that we will provide in the future now. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, Stefan, we have, uh, we have consumed uh, an entire 30 minutes here. And so I'm appreciative of you sharing your story. I think it's so interesting when we hear different perspectives and different way companies do things. And I'm, I'm so grateful you took the time today to share your unique story I know that business is all-consuming, but when you're not doing the business side of this, what what do you do for fun and enjoyment? Well, uh, I mentioned maybe my five children. <laughs> I have keep a wife, you going. <laughs> a dog, which I walk uh, in the morning, and I am involved in many associations personally as well. 
I'm president of my local handball club and have to support these guys as well a little bit. And yeah, there's there's not much time to, to, <laughs> to become annoyed. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. Well, Stefan, it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you again for uh, being a guest on the RimPro Report, and uh, look forward to hearing from you in the future. Well, thank you very much again as well, and I hope that your listeners will appreciate my stumbling sometimes uh, in the in the course of <laughs> of the discussion. Uh, but obviously, English is my fourth language, and uh, sometimes I don't find the word as fast as I think. Well, you, and... you, you did magnificent, so thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, Tom. And, uh, well, all the best for your, for, for your next uh, projects and your next shows. I mean, I find it very interesting the way you, you do this for general knowledge of our business community. Thank you very much. Well, there you have it. Another interesting show. Stefan was uh, wonderful to spend some time with us and tell us his story about what goes on at Streff. I, I was particularly intrigued by the container storage and the pallet storage. And I understand as a moving company, that makes a lot of sense. But I think probably the best thing he said the whole the whole time was we as as a records and information management company must justify the trust and build our reputation. And I, I am I am more convinced of that than ever as I see what's happening in the marketing world. Trust is the new and most important piece of marketing that I think you can do in the world. So great stuff. Thank you, Stefan, for being with us and thank you for being with us today. I also want to uh, remind you that this show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. What impresses me about this company is not just their dedication to a great product, to customer support and amazing service, but that ongoing focus they have on new development. Not for where we are today in the industry, but but actually stepping out of, out of today and figuring out where we're going to need to be in the future. And so that, that to me makes a, a significant difference in what's going to happen in our industry in the future. And for that, I am grateful for O'Neill's software role in that. And if you're interested in learning more about them, you can do so at O'Neillsoft. Com. Well, that's it for us. We are out of here. We hope to have another great interview for you next week. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.